Well, good morning, Harvest. Go ahead and grab a seat. And what a delight to be together. Be together all about the name of Christ, for the name of Christ, taking it vertical. And uh, I love being here. Missed being with you last Sunday, had a chance to go up to Harvest North and be with them. And I heard that it was just a fantastic day here last Sunday. I'm so grateful for that. Love Brian. Just what a wonderful guy. And uh, But we get to have some time together today. Today is uh, not your normal Sunday. Uh, today is what we call around here a family chat. And that's where every so often uh, in a year, we take some time just to cover a number of important things to uh, uh, update you on some things and all through it to celebrate some ministry advancements. And to, so today's really uh, fun for that, and we're going to be hitting at it. And if you're new here, I want to let you know this is not a normal Sunday. This is usually the time where we, we open God's Word and we don't just read it and then set it aside and talk about whatever I want. I mean, we are out, we're Bible people, aren't we? I mean, as I remember, it's harvest what? Bible. Okay, that's a big, big part of who we are. And, and yet today is a, a Harvest Family Chat Day. So it is unique. We're not going to be, if you will, going into the scripture so much today as just kind of a family time together. And so if you're visiting with us, this really will actually be kind of a great day for you in some ways to get behind the curtain of what's happening here and what's going on and just aware to celebrate some things with that. So before I begin on those items, a few items I want to cover with you. You have an update uh, that you got coming into the door, just letting you know, updating you on things that are going on around here. Please review that. Take a look at that. I would ask uh, over on the left side of the auditorium, the friendship register, if you could grab that uh, red and black book, pass that all the way down. Let us know you're here, any prayer requests or things going on there. A third item, and you may have already seen it out in the entryway, is we would like for everyone to be part of a special gift here that we're going to be using later this week. Karen and I have a really cool opportunity. We have to go up on a Thursday for, I have a meeting with some schooling uh, in Chicago that I need to meet. And then on Friday, we're actually going to be having dinner with Pastor James and Kathy, as well as uh, Ron Zappia and Jody Zappia. Ron and Jody were the first a planting couple in Naperville. And uh, that was the first harvest plant. There's today over 80 harvest plants around the world. And so how cool that we're gonna be able to have dinner with James and Ron and, and have a night here this week. And so what we wanted to do was to take a gift as a thank you to them. And so we have these little uh, go-kart racing tires out in the entryway. And we're asking that all teens through adults, if you could go and sign all three of those tires as I've seen them, they're already plastered with names, very cool. And we just wanna take them to them, have one to give to James, have one to give to Ron and Jody, and also have one to be able to give to Kent Shaw. All three of these individuals, three of these couples, uh, we would not be here, uh, frankly, if uh, it wasn't for people like them who are making themselves available to the Lord to plant churches. And so we thought this would be kind of a creative way. We're on the west side of Indy racing and all that. And everybody signed that and uh, we'll take that up there. And I hope that'll be kind of, uh, obviously James and so forth, they'll put that right on their desk. Be there all the time, I'm sure. So just something fun for us. That'd be great. Fourth is a vertical church t-shirts we've got. And uh, it... And uh, if, uh, if you would like to get your own, uh, you can actually order them. We'll have that for a while here. And you can order your own T-shirts with that. 
and just something, a reminder to us of what all is going on, what the Lord's doing. Uh, we are a church that wants to take life to the vertical. And that's why on the back we have Isaiah 26, 8, your name and renown are the desires of our heart. That's what we want to be, right? So if you want to do that, there are $10. There's blue shirts and gray shirts. And uh, you can see a bunch of people walking around who are on the facility team that have those already. But you're welcome to get one, order one. Well, let's do this. Let's talk uh, future facility. It's been a number of months, actually, a number of months since uh, giving you a full update on all what's taking place regarding our future facility and the campaign and where we're at. And so today's the day to do that. In fact, you may have been wondering, boy, I haven't heard much for quite a while. Uh, Why is that? And uh, let me just give you a couple reasons for that. One is because of all of the work that's been done, it's kind of been in the trenches work. It's the pre-construction trenches work of analysis and design and due diligence. And I'm going to talk to you here in just a second about all three of those in some detail so that you know exactly what's been taking place. Uh, But the second reason is because of focus. And we are what we call around here vertically driven church. Um, We want to keep the focus on Jesus Christ and who he is, and it's all about his glory. And so what oftentimes happens with churches is uh, when they get into a future facility process, it's almost like the pastors or the leadership or the church family itself gets all in kind of this facility funk. And it's like they get mesmerized by building and pastors begin preaching out of the, the text of scripture. And it's amazing. Every Sunday, there's a building in the text somewhere. And we just get a little weird and we get to a place where, frankly, buildings can become an outright idol. And we don't want that. We don't want that. Um, A building is a tool for increased ministry capacity. And we've been studying through Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we see in Acts chapter 5 how the people in the very beginning were gathering every day in the temple and house to house. And we're doing the house to house thing with small groups. But essentially, if we forget oftentimes that God had asked his people to build a place for his people to be able to all the time have teaching and gathering. And so we're not building a temple, if you will, like that, but we're building a place that we can be able to have as future. And so in that, we don't want to get in a funk about it. We want to stay vertical. And so part of the reason you haven't heard a whole lot is because I don't want us to get caught up in it. I want us to get caught up in Jesus. And that's what we're all about, right? Okay, so that's part of it. So let me kind of jump back to the first thing and talk about what's been happening, the analysis, design, and due diligence work. On the analysis work, Um, These have been some key months in analyzing our financial trends and our financial status. Uh, We've been asking uh, what's happening with our general fund giving in light of starting a facility fund campaign. This is the first time we've had anything like this as a church. We don't have past history to kind of know a history of trends. And we've been asking the question, are we wondering what will take place? We've also uh, started out with it's, uh, how are we gonna, how is the 2012 ongoing giving going to work out? Because that is so critical. We've been uh, taking a look and how are we positioned for a loan and our loan capacity? And so all of those, are coming together, and I'll just kind of sum some of this up. I'm just thrilled to say that our general fund uh, giving since the start of the campaign has not gone down, 
and it has not stayed the same. It has increased. I mean, not just for the facility, but our base general fund. And that's taking out any numeric growth. If you just look at it, taking out our numeric growth, just giving overall as a church, well, we've had general fund giving increase by 13%. That just means more of God's people are giving on a regular basis. And, and I think that's just, that's a show of heart and spiritual maturity and growing. And I think that's just so cool. And we rejoice in that. Uh, secondly, one of the things I'm thrilled to say is in our 2011 year-end goal, and if you're here, you know that. If you've been here for all, you know that. We had a goal of having a year-end of $185,000 in giving, and we know that's been met, and I rejoice in the Lord over that. Uh, another one is, we've been, as I noted, we've been wondering about our 2012 ongoing goal of people giving, say, 20 or 10 or 40 or 30 or $5 a week over their, their regular giving, uh, to the facility fund. And that was 130000 for the year, which is key for us in the process. And I'll just say we're basically midway through and we are like right on track, like within 100 or $200 of that. And I just praise God for that, right? Uh, it's just stunning to me. Um, also, we've been working with John Huskins. I really should say Pastor Eric has been working with John Huskins at Crosspoint Funding Group. And uh, we've enlisted John, we've known John for a while now, and enlisted him to help doing some financial analysis related to uh, our project feasibility and just bank funding. Um, John has not only been studying our history, but he's actually been working with us in evaluating our future. Oftentimes a church moves into a facility and they forget, oh yeah, we got a bigger heating bill now. Um, and so we're, we've actually, and Eric's been working with him and putting together what does it look like in the future with staffing, with a, a facility, with uh, people and all of that together. And he's uh, not only been looking at the past, but looking at the future. And he's also in the process of putting together a portfolio for us just to be able to submit to loan institutions and banks for loan and what kind of capacity do we have. And I think I can summarize the analysis of our finances by this way. Uh, John, a little bit ago, had said, listen, you guys are in a really good financial place right now. You will likely be very attractive to loan institutions. And um, praise God. It's really a big deal. Uh, along with the analysis has been even on the ministry structure uh, we've been asking, uh, where do we need to be and what do we need to do in order to get ready for ministry in a new facility? A while ago, we talked to you about 2012 initiatives that we're in the process with, uh, but we're right now reviewing present and future leadership designs and development and kind of, if you will, hierarchy and how that's all working. Um, yeah, they didn't teach us stuff in seminary, but I'm telling you, this is part of what ministry is about as well. Um, why are we doing that? Why are we analyzing and planning ahead? I don't want for us to become busy church. I don't want for us to become program church to where we're doing stuff for stuff's sake. We really here want to be a church that is effective for the Lord. And so by spending the time with many of these things, this is allowing us to step back and ask the kinds of questions, are we really headed in that direction? So I'm grateful for the pastors and for the elders who are willing to be people who ask questions that even sometimes can be uncomfortable, and I'm grateful for that. So I'll kind of summarize the analysis work this way. Um, praise God, and let's proceed ahead, okay? That's kind of the big summation there. Secondly, design work. 
Uh, we've been doing, in the last month, site development and design work with Jerry Kittle from Innovative Engineering, who he owns Innovative Engineering. Uh, Jerry attends here uh, on whole property site development and redesign work. We've been doing facility design work with John Byram, with Byram Architects. We've, uh, in the last month, been doing interior design work with Connie Jung from Jung Design, who's part of the whole team overall. Uh, we've been working with uh, construction planning and pre-cost analysis with Kurt Williams from T&W Construction, who will, uh, looks like will be our uh, general contractor for the whole process. Um, and a, a big part of this analysis in the design has been cost-cutting functions. We're going back and not only trying to go at the nuts and bolts in each room and everything that's involved, but also even on the whole aspect of what can we cut and what can we phase? Let me just tell you a few things so you have some ideas. Some of that includes this. Going from a three-tiered roof system to a two-tiered roof system. You can see in the, the, the vertical church uh, brochure information thing, the picture there. And even changing from a three-tiered to a two-tiered uh, allows us to cut some significant amounts of money in that and yet still keep the look of the facility we're shooting for. Uh, we've done some, uh, if you were to take, compare them, some exterior window revisions. We've removed what's called spandrel glass, a row across the top uh, that's in the, uh, the booklet of information there that you have. Uh, you can't see through it because of rafters and all this design stuff, but it's there for the exterior looks. By pulling that out, by reducing the storefront set up a little bit higher, we still get the same feel, but it also saves us over $100,000. Um, things like that. We've been working with the water company. I'm sorry, I'm jumped down. Uh, elimination of awnings on the west and the north side. You can't even see them in the picture. Thus the reason for possibly removing them. We've looked at uh, the stone fence, that sitting wall that we originally had along the cafe main entrance in the kids area. It shows it here, I think, on the picture on the screen, but we probably will be pulling that out in the front area. We've removed it from the cafe area, built up the dirt over there to have the same feel. Over on the kids' area, we're going with a barbed wire fence. Um, <laughs> it's a cost-cutting measure. No, actually, that will most likely be a phased-in later. We probably won't have that initially. Uh, but maybe more uh, a different kind of fencing. I'm just going to say all of these things add up to over $200,000 in savings uh, so far. Let me just kind of point out some property design revisions that have been included. We've gone from a, a tr two dry water management area. You know how everywhere has those drainage ponds uh, to retain water flow? Well, we've gone from kind of two. Ours is a dry water area. We've gone from two to one and believe that's going to be some significant cost by adaption there. We've done some reworking with the parking lot areas, even allowing us to, that's allowed us to cut to half the, the asphalt required walk path that uh, the city requires across the front. Um, we've been working with the city water, uh, the water company reducing the water line requirements. It's amazing how much stuff underground costs, and we've uh, been able to significantly cut down on that. Uh, even changing the classification of the road from the new bridge that will be going in, our part of the road out, uh, by changing that from a public road access to a private road access allows us to be able to install that much cheaper because now we don't have to build it to be able to handle semi-truck like on a, out on a highway. Uh, also, we'll be looking to take on the installation of landscaping ourselves. All these kinds of things add up to three hundred fifty to $400,000 in total savings all the way around. So it's been uh, 
somewhat, in a good way, a profitable few months from that standpoint. Um, so on, speaking of cost, Doug, do we know what the cost of the facility on the entirety are right now? No. All of this has been coming together so that we can get the data. And here in the next month or two, we will be knowing all those details. But we've been doing analysis work, design work, and the third I just want to mention is due diligence work. Uh, we've been doing a variety of due diligence work associated with the various legal tasks and entities, um, anywhere from uh, the diligence that's required with our signed purchase agreement to the whole land ownership, the construction, the associated liabilities, all that wonderful stuff for living in America that needs to be done. Um, due diligence work with the city as well. Uh, the design work is critical as we're preparing here to submit all the documentation to the city and our goal has been to have a city approval for the construction prior to our closing on the property. Just oftentimes churches and organizations buy a piece of property, have an idea, then they present to the city and find out you've got to have all these other codes, all these other issues, and we don't want to get caught. Um, we're responsible to the Lord. We're responsible to one another. So we're actually working to get all of this city approved even before we close on the property. So bring all this together, the analysis, design, and due diligence, uh, kind of sum it up this way. Uh, about $110,000 have been spent. Just to give you a little bit of an idea of uh, the work, the legal, architectural, engineering, city design, and so forth uh, in the process. We have confirmation that we uh, have the necessary players on the team. I'm thrilled with who we have and how they're all working together. Uh, we've been getting out of all the work confirmation that the design work is on track. Uh, also confirmation that the process for city approvals is on track and that the bridge construction and the land purchase is on track as well as just our finances in general and the campaign funding and the loan portfolio. All of that is coming together and I just want to add, this is my own personal observation. One of the biggest things we've had in this whole process is there's three words on the front of the brochure, on the front of my shirt, down here, build, worship, and together. And I'll just say, um, I'm thrilled that I think all of those have been happening. Not only have we been seeking to build a facility, but we've been growing together. And we've been wanting to do this as an act of worship to the Lord and doing it together. I'm grateful for you. I am astounded as I hear other churches talk about building programs and the nightmares they've had. You have been so trusting and we're working hard to uh, be good leaders and maintain your trust and honor the Lord in the process. Your name and renown are the desires of our heart. Isn't that right? To the Lord. So let me give you just uh, the timetable on some things here. A little shift here. June um, this month, construction of the access bridge is to begin. Uh, they have the contractor. Uh, that's all getting going in process here in June. The construction on that will begin. The end of June, all the required documents are going to be submitted to the city for the DPR and the city approval process. The first half of July, the construction costs for the, are going to be further honed in. That will allow us to continue to do further analysis, see where we're at. Uh, in the details. The end of July is when there's going to be a public planning commission meeting. That's where the DPR approval before the city uh, takes place, and there's a publicness to that, and so that's going to be an important time. Um, uh, then the other is the end of August. The bridge should be completed. Uh, the approvals of the bridge, the release documentations for that should be, and then the end of August, likely the beginning of September, is when we close 
on the property. And all of this points to us uh, having everything in place this fall. So the question comes out of that. So Doug, could construction actually start this year? Technically, yes, if. Um, And this is kind of where everything comes to. If God allows us to hit the first three numbers of our uh, vertical church campaign process, technically, we could begin earth moving this year. Um, Let me talk on that. In fact, go to the last page of that brochure, if you would. I'll just remind us, highlight, we've hit the first campaign number, that 2011 year-end goal. Praise God for that. We're on track with the 2012 ongoing weekly number. Praise God for that. Now, the next one's the big one. The end of the year 2012 number is the big number, and that's $382,000. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money to me, and that's a lot of money to all of us. And um, I don't know where it's going to come, but I do know who oversees all, and that God's been faithful, and God is a big God from what I remember, isn't he? Um, so by faith, we're progressing ahead. I will kind of add on a, you know, if you want to work some numbers, if you're a number person, here's some items of encouragement. If you add the 185000 that was given last year, along with we did receive one large gift last year, there was actually the end of last year we received $385,000. Uh, that's the same. Um, and so it's possible. Uh, we've also, so far this year, we've received $23,000 in gifts directed to the 2012 year-end gift. On top of that, uh, as we've been working hard with our own budget, we're, we've, in the giving, we're $60,000 over our budget. We have a base amount that we keep there for planning and preparation and wise. And then there's $60,000 that's been over that we could apply to the facility as well. Break that all down, that even right now means that we need to raise 300000 necessarily rather than the three hundred eighty-two. So God's already at work. So I praise the Lord for that. So assuming that our ongoing goal for this year is met and we receive commitments later in the year that meet or exceed the year-end number, earthwork could begin this year. Um, and that would be fantastic if that's the case. But I'll say it this way. We can't begin moving ahead until that year-end number is hit. And if that means we have to go into next year, then that's what that'll have to take, okay? So with that. So what can you and I do from here? Well, I want to suggest four things. Number one, rejoice. God's at work. Um, I'm stunned at how God has been at work and just so grateful. Never in my life five years ago did I think we'd be at this place today. Never. And uh, rejoice. Secondly, pray. I would pray those three things. God, would you allow us to have a facility? Lord, may we build together and may we be a place that worships you through all of this and may we be a place that is together through it all. So rejoice and pray. Third, I would say participate. If you're presently right now a part of the ongoing giving through this year, I wanna thank you uh, for your faithfulness. It's just so encouraging. And if not, I also wanna open the door. This is an on-ramp opportunity. If you would like to designate uh, something over and above your regular giving that would go to the facility fund, uh, you can do that. There's a card inside your uh, uh, brochure there that has, this is what we used at the end of last year. And if this is something you'd wanna do to be a part of that, you can fill the ongoing part 
and uh, uh, let us know and jump in. There's online access to make that happen as well. And uh, we'd invite you to consider being a part of that if uh, that would be the case and opportunity right now. So participate. And then the third, fourth, I would say, is prepare. Um, I'll just say straight up, Karen and I have already been talking and preparing and considering through this year even so far. How are things that we're going to cut back and uh, reduce down here with summer and even on vacation reality world so that we can be able to be an increased part at the end of this year? Because at the end of this year, this is the big one. This is the go, no-go reality. So I would ask that you would continue to consider that. The passage that's kept in my mind is out of John 12. Uh, We studied through it, Mary pouring the uh, perfume on Jesus' feet. I mean, here is Mary, whose brother Lazarus had just been raised from the dead shortly before. And as we talked about here, and this was the passage I preached on last Sunday up at Harvest North, because for me personally, it's just been huge. I mean, Mary poured herself out, her soul out personally. I mean, this was a personal, such a creative thing. And yet she also, there was a publicness to it in it all. And also it was an extravagant pouring out. It wasn't her every week, it wasn't her every year, but this was a time for an extravagant opportunity to pour out and worship on the Lord. And I'm just praying that God would do that here amongst us, continue to have that happen, and he would show himself magnificent through it all. So in it all, uh, let's stay vertical, right? Okay, let's not get building funky. All right, let me pray. Lord, I want to rejoice. I just want to rejoice in who you are and what you've done among us and how you've been so faithful to us and and how people have responded to your faithfulness. Father, I just consider the passage in Acts 5 that talks about the people who at that time they uh, were meeting in the temple every day, teaching and and gathering together. And then they were going house to house every day, teaching and, and encouraging one another. And, and if you will, we kind of have the house to house thing going with small groups taking place in houses, but we don't have a place. Lord, we really believe having a place would be the kind of thing for not only for us today, but for future generations short of your return. There would be a place where we could meet and be able to gather and be able to rejoice and have a footprint on the west side of Indianapolis and that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 would be a reality of a, of a work that grows from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God, you're a big God and there are yet some big things ahead for us and there are just honestly straight up, you know, some days where I go, I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. But then I'm reminded of your God. And we're not. And you've called us to be people who stretch ourselves, who press ourselves, and who fall in the worship and the honor of you. Lord, you've done a magnificent work here because you are a magnificent God. May we never, ever, ever lose sight of your magnificence. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, this is a second part of kind of our family chat. We want to pause here and take some time and focus in on the joy of being able to communicate with you that uh, we have a fourth pastoral member who's uh, uh, joining the team, and uh, I'm thrilled about that. Months ago, we began a process uh, looking for a guy who would be equipped to 
serve as pastor of student ministries and assimilation. And uh, this would just help us as a ministry in so many ways, including allowing for Pastor Eric to be able to transition over into the role of pastor of small groups, just a role that uh, is so important to us here, is just so important to us here, and also a role that I believe that uh, Eric is just greatly equipped to be able to do. And I'm just so grateful for Eric and Krista and what they have done in these years and just loving on teens and pouring into them. And I'm so grateful for Eric making the transition and being excited about it and uh, thrilled about it. And uh, Frank, I think it's just appropriate for us to say thank you to Eric and Christian. I am uh, looking forward to be able to see our small groups just even get deeper and stronger as a result of this. Well, the fourth pastoral member is going to help us to be able to do that. And we've been praying for a guy who loves the Lord, who loves teens, who's equipped to handle teens and the word of God with teens and uh, is genuine about it and with a wife where they serve together as a team, as a growing team, not a perfect pastor, not a perfect wife, but a wife and a husband that are growing together and growing in ministry together and uh, just really are trained, equipped, and cranked up about doing that. So over the months, we've been receiving just a number of resumes. I'll just, a number of resumes. It's been intriguing to see. Um, Harvest is a place people want to be. Um, we've received uh, resumes from Indiana, from Illinois, from Ohio, from Iowa, from Florida, uh, even all the way into Texas and California and beyond. And it's been interesting and fun to go through those. Uh, we've had uh, phone interviews. We've conducted Skype interviews. We've uh, conducted in-person interviews. Uh, we've talked with references. We've engaged even with Big Harvest in parts of the process and their inputs through that. And we've prayed hard. And uh, those months of work and prayer have resulted in the Lord bringing us a couple that I'm very excited about. And I'm looking forward here and want to introduce them to you. But before I do that, I would like to tell you a little bit about them. Uh, I think this will help you to be able to know some of who they are and what's behind them uh, in that. I think it'll speed up the process of understanding them and why we've chosen them. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Um, she grew up on the west side of Indianapolis. How cool is that? Uh, she began her college studies at uh, Indiana Wesleyan and is now working with her bachelor's uh, from Liberty University. She loves the outdoors. She loves people. And the people component is very obvious after you've been around her for a bit. She doesn't uh, like so much necessarily to be the center of attention of people. She just loves to engage with people and see people engage with one another. And that's the kind of quality that I love seeing in a person. Um, I'll also add into the relationship factor that uh, she can stand her ground. Um, it was a joy. Uh, Rick Alexander doesn't know this yet, but it was a joy to watch her smack talk Rick Alexander in a game of cornhole. <laughs> it uh, truly sold me on her. She can... Uh, 
she can stand her ground, and she's uh, pretty good at it. Uh, it was really fun to see that. Uh, she enjoys engaging others in life. She's a good listener. Uh, one of her high school teachers said of her that while she was in high school, she could have easily been part of the cool crowd at school, but instead she chose to be someone that built relationships based on opportunity to impact others for Christ. Even in high school, that's a big uh, reality. Uh, she's just a delight and a joy to be around. Let me tell you a little bit about her husband. He grew up in the Cleveland area until he was about 10, and then he moved to Florida. Uh, he loves sports. He loves extreme sports. He loves soccer. He's played soccer, coached soccer, and traveled in Europe playing soccer. He also is a reader, and he loves to study and think. Um, it's already been a challenge to me in thinking at a level depth. Uh, like his wife, he loves people, and like her also, he loves teens. And it's obvious from multiple angles of life in his, uh, in his career, as well as his engagement, uh, as I've watched it. Um, he loves making disciples for Christ. That is a big deal to us. A lot of times youth pastors can get to a place where they love just cranking people up and getting the big group and then they leave and they leave the church. Instead, we're a church that's driven towards raising disciples for Christ and it's clear that's what his passion is as well. On a whole different note, he speaks fluent Spanish. I've seen him in my car talking, taking a phone and talking Spanish on the phone and wondering what he was saying all through that conversation, but uh, speaks fluent Spanish, which is really a cool ministry opportunity. I've seen him be quiet and be able to take kind of a sit-back role, and I've seen him literally take front and center and lead uh, probably 100 teenagers uh, in teaching them, engaging them, and I appreciate that balance and that spread. He's a very purposed guy. Um, I've seen him seek and heed counsel. Um, he's received the bachelor's, his bachelor's of church ministry from Liberty University, as well as a master of arts in church planning and evangelism from Liberty. Uh, he's co-led ministry trips to Trinidad and Tobago and the Dominican Republic. He's also traveled in ministry capacities to Haiti and Jamaica. He's organized hurricane relief efforts and along with his wife started a ministry to the homeless in Bradenton, Florida that actually continues to this day. He and his wife spent three to four months of ministry in Guatemala. He has been a senior high retreat speaker. He has been a high school Spanish teacher as well. He was the pastor of student ministries for a church in Florida for some two years saw that student ministry grow from a handful, single-digit handful of students to over 60 in those couple of years. And I just put all that together, and seriously, it's a stunning reality to me. And um, let, let's say it's given vertical praise to the Lord. Uh, in August, he will just be 22 and all of that. And that's given vertically, right? Um, I've talked to two key men in his life in the process here, and in uh, searching out. And I want to share a little bit about this. And again, all of this isn't to praise the guy, but all of this is to help you become aware of who he and his wife are. Uh, the two mentors in his life, one was a major mentor and one is uh, his recent boss. Um, 
oftentimes references today are very formulaic and very minimalistic, sometimes minimalistic by law. Uh, these were not only as a pastor, but in my 20 years of business, literally these were the two most enjoyable reference conversations I've ever had because of the full engagement of, the, uh, of these two men. Both of these men uh, have been high school principals. What's so cool about that is a high school principal gets teens and he gets what teens need and he gets who can be a good teacher of teens and who can be not so great at teens. Um, and it's just been a delight to have that conversation with them. Let me just share with you some of the things that they said. Um, he said he has an incredible drive and can build and develop and cast vision. Uh, he has a spiritual passion and maturity in Christ that is far beyond his age. Uh, he's a great leader and mentor of students. They said uh, he has an unusual ability to articulate thoughts and implement biblical truth into the lives of teens. Uh, he has a fantastic rapport with students because of his identity with Christ. And I love this. Uh, the one made mention, he said, you know, teens have an unbelievable ability to pick out the fake and to pick out the real. And he said, the thing that I've observed about this guy is the teens are drawn to him because they pick out that he's real and not fake. Love that. They said uh, he understands what it means to be a disciple and has a heart to disciple teens. One of them said, I've never had trouble leading him, which was encouraging to me. <laughs> uh, another says, uh, actually said, uh, uh, if he leaves here, this school is gonna be experience a major loss. Um, says, I can't give him any higher recommendation. Cool, just cool, isn't it? What I love the most was talking with both of them, both of them of which have children and uh, both of which are, I believe, are just coming into the teen years. Both of these men living in different states had made mention that, uh, uh, from each other, uh, had made mention that uh, if he was a youth pastor in their area, they would think seriously about coming there because they'd want their kids hanging around him. That's pretty big. And I will just tell you, after having the chance to get to know him and her, I'd want to have my kids hanging around him too. I'll just say that. So uh, I hope that lets you get to know them and um, respect them right from the get-go because uh, they have my respect. Uh, by the way, this couple has already been part of this church. Uh, we went states all over, and if you understood the whole process and everything behind it, and it's just so intriguing how God just brings things back, and that was not the intent straight up in the beginning, and yet God brings things right back. Um, it's always been a dream of mine to be able to raise up people from our own church family who will step into various roles of leadership as lay people, as pastors, as ministry leaders, and it is just so exciting to be able to do that uh, at this point. He and his wife have really taken in kind of a quiet role here over the last year. Um, and this is coming out of the reality of uh, they've had a full life of school and ministry, being newly married, uh, having spent time in Guatemala. And uh, 
they had talked with uh, two of their mentors. I'm honored that I was one of them at the time, never knowing that it would lead to this at this point. But both of those, myself and the other mentor, had said to them, you know what, you need to just take a year. You need to breathe. There's been so much going on in your life. You're newly married. Take a year and breathe. Um, and they did it. And, uh, but yet, uh, didn't breathe like sit back. I will tell you, over the last year, has been having huge impact in teens' lives from where he's been teaching at. Um, so taking a breath for me is different than for him sometimes. Uh, and I love that tenacity. So at this time, I just want to uh, introduce to you Cody and Katie Pador. Hey, if I could also, if I could have the pastors and uh, any elders or deacons come on up here at this time um, as well. And I'll tell you, I'm just thrilled to have them here with us. And let's kind of get this started as part of the team. There you go. May, may need to get a bigger size for you. There you go, Katie. Sure, you're part of the team. And I just want to add into this fact that as pastors, we had... Uh, Eric and Nick and I had talked before and said we need a little smaller guy as part of uh, as part of our team, and so uh, we have someone who's fit among us, uh, which is great. But listen, uh, we are so thrilled. This process, as you know, has been an amazing process and uh, so cool. Uh, any words of encouragement or things you'd like to say at this point, Cody? Yeah, we're. Uh... We're really, really thankful to be a part of this, really thankful for the opportunity, thankful to the Lord for his faithfulness. And uh, we're really looking forward to uh, worshiping, walking, and working with each of you guys all for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, let me, uh, before we all pray together here, a couple things I want to make mention is, is uh, one is on timing. Uh, we, we are welcoming them here. And then uh, starting next week, they're going on vacation to Florida, <laughs> uh, getting prepped up and ready and family in Florida and such to be able to go down. They'll be gone for a week to do that. And then a week from Tuesday, uh, Cody's going to be jumping on staff and joining in. If you have a junior or senior high student um, or junior and senior high students, uh, come over to our house tonight from 7 to 830. We're going to have a hangout at our house, ice cream. We are going at the caloric intake big time. Okay. And we're just going to have kind of an open house, but about 8.15 and we'll gather everyone together who's still there. If you can't stay till then, that's fine. But we're gathering everyone together just for a few minutes and then pray together. And we'd love to have you come over to our house tonight for that. I also just four things I quickly want to make mention to both the teens as well as to the adults here at Harvest. And it's this, how can we help them? One, embrace them. I would ask that we would embrace them. Uh, there's been a, a, an incredible process through this, uh, much of what I tried to share with you, but much you don't know about. And it's been so neat to watch how God brings things around and uh, points things out and raises things up. And it's just been a delight. So I would just ask you, brace them, welcome them, get to know them, help them get to know you. Um, secondly, I would ask that you would honor them. And just as the scripture talks about honoring a pastor, there's a weight on a pastor, I'll just say, that, I mean this respectfully, that you just don't know, and there just is. And I would ask that you would honor Cody as he steps into that role. Third, I would ask that you would be patient with them. 
Um, we're in a transition time here, and Cody and Eric and Katie and Krista have had times to get together and talk, and so we're going to be working this summer to transition so that uh, here in the beginning of August, we're going to be cranking it out and just so excited with what's happening, but be patient with them in the process. And fourth, obviously, I would say, would you pray for them? Would you pray for your pastors? And that, that includes Cody, and pray for our wives as well. We'd so appreciate that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And uh, Eric, would you lead us? And uh, then Larry will pray as well. And let's do that. Let's pray. God, you've been so good to harvest. Uh, we see that through our history. And uh, we see that through our people. Um, just bringing families and kids and couples and singles and teens. God, we thank you for our people. Uh, what a privilege it is to be able to uh, full-time serve them, to serve the church, uh, to serve you. So we commit Katie and Cody to, to you, to this church, to the families of Harvest, God. Uh, equip them and empower them and encourage them to, uh, to be walking side-by-side side with families and teens, to, uh, to be rallying these kids together for the cause of Christ, to, to be discipling and taking these kids to the next level. Lord, we pray and, and we thank you for the past four years, uh, the leaders, the, the teens we've had. We've been able to develop out student ministry, and we're grateful uh, for the, uh, just the many kids who've come through. And we look forward to uh, exciting days ahead and what you're going to do through Katie and Cody. And I pray that the teens in junior high, senior high, that, that families and parents can, uh, uh, can encourage them, can support them, uh, that you can get a hold of them just with favor. And I pray that just at this critical point in just student ministry, that they would, uh, this would be the foundation, uh, that their life call would just come back to these moments, these meetings, these times with Cody and Katie, and it would just be evident later on, God, that you've been working and developing and, and uh, just moving their life towards you. So we thank you, God. We thank you for Cody and Katie, and uh, we commit them to you today. God, as we continue in prayer this morning, uh, it's a big banner day for the name of Jesus Christ here at Harvest Indy West, and we give you the glory for it. Thank you for um, what you've done in our past, and now as we walk through a new doorway into a new chapter, we thank you for uh, your faithfulness. God, we've prayed and begged you for your wisdom, for protecting us from errors or mistakes. And God, we believe you've answered and we thank you for it. Thank you for Cody. Thank you for Katie for bringing them to us, for making it evident through the process. We can look back and say that you've done this and we're grateful to you for it. God, I would pray for Cody and for Katie, for them personally, that you would continue to help them grow as a couple, um, help us as a church family, to support them, to encourage them, and to help them. And God, I pray that as you use Cody in uh, areas of leadership and teaching and training and developing of our young people, that you do the same in us as adults. Help us to be open and receptive to your minister among us in ways that we can be affected also. God, would you um, help us to lovingly, humbly um, encourage and sharpen Cody and Katie along the way too. And in so doing, God, we're living out what your word talks about being a body. 
and all the parts being important to one another. God, I I can't finish our prayer without also just uh, saying thank you for our complete leadership. Thank you for Doug and Karen. Thank you for Nick and Jill. Thank you for Eric and Krista. And God, it's, uh, it's amazing to see how you've just poured out your blessings on our church. God, as Doug preached a while back and said unashamedly on the authority of your word, God, we want more, not for our benefit, not for our glory, but so that your glory is put on display. And God, as a watching world sees your glory put on display and is curious about it, doesn't understand it, but understands that there's something different, that they would come to see what's going on here at our church and our community and Avon and around and that uh, people would come to understand that it's Jesus Christ and that they would develop and build a relationship with him and that uh, your bride, the church here, would continue to grow and flourish. Thank you. We love you. And we have confidence in you. And it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray these things.